Mike Green, Public Awareness Officer for the American Mathematical Society. And we just heard Rob Schneiderman, who brought us in with Tone Twister. And today we're talking with Andrea Bertozzi, who is Distinguished Professor of Mathematics and Mechanical and Aerospace Engineering, and the Betsy Wood Knapp Chair for Innovation and Creativity, uh, and Director of Applied Mathematics at UCLA. And, and she's also was in the inaugural class of AMS Fellows, so that's many honors, that's one of many honors that she has. But we're talking about research that she and her team did with regard to wine legs or tears. Uh, so Andrea, this is pretty interesting research. Can you tell us about it? Sure, Mike. I'd be very happy to tell you. So this work actually began in a, from a class that I was teaching. I, uh, for the first time, I taught a class joint with the Mechanical and Aerospace Engineering Department, and we were looking at problems in coding flows. Many of these are classical problems in fluid dynamics. And I thought, you know, it would be fun for the students to have a lecture that they can directly connect to real life, right? Where they could actually, you know, look at something from real life in the class and and also read some, you know, pretty well-known research papers. So I picked the problem of wine tears because the research papers, the experimental literature and models started to get really developed in the 1990s, so it's fairly recent literature. And as I was going through some of the papers to prepare my lecture, I realized there was a gap in what was known and that there was room for mathematicians to make a contribution. So um, rather than giving a standard lecture, I showed up in the class with some wine and some glasses so the <laughs> students could, could play with the experiment, but also to point out what was missing from the literature. So I said, why don't one of you think about doing a class project on this? Because all of them had to do projects. This was an advanced graduate course where instead of taking exams, they were each going to do a final project. So one of my students, Yoni Duclair, decided to do that. And so that project involved deriving equations for the wine as it climbs the side of the glass that involved three different kinds of physics. One is the bulk surface tension. One is um, what's called the Marangoni stress. It's the gradient in the surface tension that comes from the evaporation of the wine. Right, So um, wine has alcohol in it, and the alcohol evaporates. And what that does is it creates changes in the alcohol concentration at different parts of the glass, depending on, on how much um, liquid is right underneath the surface to replenish the surface. And I'm talking about gradients in the, in the surface concentration of alcohol, which affects the surface tension. Right, So the surface tension of alcohol mixtures is dependent on the alcohol concentration. And so when you have a gradient in the surface, it actually causes um, a surface stress. So in cases, it's hard to sort of visualize. Think about driving your car with rain on the windshield, right? And when, when you drive the car, the wind blows the rain up the windshield. So that's a surface stress. So in the case of wine tears, the alcohol concentration change also causes a surface stress, just like wind in so, at some level, that pulls the liquid up the side of the glass. Mm -hmm. It's something that's sort of counterintuitive because it goes against gravity, but it, it, it's just how the physics works. And then the third component, of course, is gravity, because it's obvious that gravity is important in this problem, because the wine, tier, the wine will climb up the side of the glass and form tiers that flow back down, and that would not happen, of course, if you didn't have gravity. So the new math here involves putting all of those effects together 
and deriving an equation that has some really interesting properties. So it gets into math involving conservation laws. So this is an area in partial differential equations. So conservation laws are PDEs that involve one space derivative and one time derivative, but the interesting problems are typically nonlinear, as this one is. And it also involves what we call in math land higher order effects, you know, higher derivatives, um, and the surface tension is, is something that introduces not um, two or three, but actually four space derivatives in the equation. And so Yoni's work kind of set the stage for what type of equations we should be looking at. And the theory for those equations is stuff that I worked on in my group about 20 years ago, you know, with some people who are now pretty senior in applied mathematics, like Andreas Munch at Oxford and Michael Shearer at NC State. And this was the discovery of undercompressive shocks in a certain class of scalar conservation laws. So what's really fun about the wine tears problem is that we were able to show that this beautiful theory of undercompressive shocks actually has a real role in the formation of wine tears. You also mentioned that when you were telling how you came upon this problem, that you noticed that there were gaps in the explanation. Now, were those gaps, did you, just, did you intuit that or did, was it, did it say in the paper still to come what we have to figure out? No, no. So I think, I think part of the problem was that the people who had been working on these problems, I mean, when the early papers in wine tears were written, the mathematical theory didn't exist. But it came about, you know, not too many years later, like in, within the same decade. And the other thing I think is that when people started looking at wine tears, they basically thought, okay, it's going to be basically the Marangoni stress, which is dominating everything. And then at some point, maybe enough fluid collects, and then it forms, you know, these tears that go back down the glass. But there's actually more to it than that. There's quite a lot more to the problem. In particular, it's the interaction of these three effects, the surface stress from the Marangoni effect, gravity, and the bulk surface tension gradient. If you take away any, of, any one of those three effects, the whole dynamics changes. And that's that's our that's what we've been able to put together. And I think we were the right people to do it, mainly because the mathematics was something that is really close to me. It's something that I spent a lot of time working on about twenty years ago, I would say and that that work was maybe just slightly later than the original physics literature work on tears of wine. Um, and I was working on thermal gradients rather than, than alcohol concentration mm -hmm. gradients at the time, and even with some of the people who were part of the whole tears of wine story, right? The other thing I want to mention is that in the 1990s, there was a lot of work done looking at the role of the meniscus, because the meniscus in a lot of experiments, this is the meniscus, by the way, just to clarify with the listeners, right, is the region where the surface of the air-liquid interface, right, where the wine surface, right, where it attaches to the glass, right? And so we all I mean, remember that from chemistry labs when we had yeah. to figure out what part of the graduated cylinder we were supposed to look at exactly. to measure the height. So the meniscus it plays a huge role here because that's where your alcohol concentration gradient starts. And so um, there were some beautiful experiments done by Kazabat and co-workers in the 19, early 1990s looking at the fact that this meniscus often develops kind of a star-like instability. And 
they were curious as to why that was and whether this played a role in the tears of wine. And that led to a really nice paper by um, Annette Hasoy and John Bush at MIT in the Journal of Fluid Mechanics, where they actually developed a theory for why that happens. You actually get these little kind of convection-like roles in that regime. So they really did a lovely study of that. But, you know, I think all of those studies took away from the actual real wine tears problem, right? So people weren't paying so much attention to the wine climbing the glass. And then a few years ago, a paper came out in uh, Nature Scientific Reports that looked more closely at the actual climbing mechanism and how the uh, gradient in the alcohol concentration is not the only effect, that there's actually a thermal gradient effect as well. So they were able to measure that effect, but it still doesn't put the whole story together, right? And so that's what we're doing here. We have a beautiful new theory, and we have lovely simulations, and we have actual experiments involving tiers of wine. I've got a really great team here of young people. We've got Hang Ji Ji and Claudia Falcon, who are both assistant adjunct professors kind of teaching postdocs in the math department, who've been involved in this. Hang Ji doing more of the theory and simulations, and Claudia is the one who's been developing our experiments. And without that, the story wouldn't be complete, right? And so we're really excited about this new work. And it's also something that you can do table demonstrations of. You know, you don't have to do this in a lab, right? And so one place we're going to be, if people want, are going to be um, going to this, the, the SIAM APDE meeting in December, we're going to have a demonstration at the poster session showing how you can find these under compressive shocks and tears of wine. So if anyone ever finds this in the time capsule, I should say that that would be December 2019. And yes. so, so it does sound like a good theory. Do you think that it completely answers the question then? I think it provides a lot of guidance. I think there's more work to be done. I know you were interested in that question. So we have a theory now that really is at the level of looking at one-dimensional fronts traveling up the side of the glass. And so to understand the full problem, you have to really understand the nonlinear dynamics of the tear formation as well. And that's a problem that I think needs some serious computing, and we're looking forward to doing some more work on that. But we, we kind of had to get the basic front story mm-hmm. worked out before we know exactly what we need to focus on to understand the full you know, three-dimensional structure of this problem. So I think it's I think what we're doing here is kind of getting people to focus on what we think is the most important part of the wine tier problem. And then you you had that nice video that shows the wave, yep. which is pretty interesting. Yes, yes, and it's something that's very reproducible, right? And one of the things that we've done here is we're trying to break out of the mold that has been part of the experimental literature throughout the 1990s. And those experiments were largely looking at dry surfaces. And dry surfaces are are tricky because you have to prepare the surface very carefully, right? I mean, even changes in humidity in the room can change the results of the experiment because the water vapor can start to collect on the surface and cause changes. So the wettability, you know, how how much the wine wants to wet the glass that it's in. So, So, for example, using detergents, different kinds of detergents to wash glassware can change the behavior. And so we we said, you know, we're not like serious surface chemistry experimentalists here. That's not what we are. We're mathematicians, right? So we said, you know, what we really want to understand is the everyday problem. You know, you're at your house drinking wine. Are you going to see the tears or not? How can you see them? You don't want to have to 
go crazy trying to prepare the wine glass. So what we did was we said, you know, what we really need to do is look at the problem where you swirl the wine around on the glass first, right? It kind of removes that wettability issue because you pre-coated everything. Now, pre-coating it reproducibly is a little bit tricky, but it turns out that these reverse under-compressive shocks occur in quite a wide range of pre-coating levels. We, we were able to show that theoretically. And so that to us kind of explains why the experiment is actually rather reproducible. So I can describe in words what you do, and you, you, you want to use an alcohol that is not clear because it's hard to see wine tears when, when you're working with like gin or something that's you know clear, right? So like a, like a port wine, something that's darker, or a cognac that has some color to it, and then you put it in the glass, and, and we work with martini glasses because they have a constant angle. So the theory is easier to do mathematically and computationally because the cone angle, the angle of the side of the glass is constant. You probably don't want to drink wine out of martini glasses because you don't get quite the bouquet with a martini glass that you do with a bell-shaped wine glass. But nevertheless, for reproducible experiments, the martini glass is great. So what you do is you kind of swirl it around, and, and you have to also pay attention to the temperature. So if you're doing this you know, outside in the in the cold in the winter, you're not going to see much, right, because it's too cold. So you want to be at sort of a comfortable, maybe slightly warmish room temperature, not 68, but like 75 is better, and have the wine at room temperature. Basically what you do is pour the wine in, cover the glass. So covering the glass is really important because you don't want the alcohol evaporate that way. You know, swirl it around so you get a good pre-coat with the cover on, Put it down, let it kind of settle a little bit, but not too long. And then what you do is you pull the cover off the glass, and you should see this beautiful circular wave coming right out of the meniscus. And it's kind of a de-wetting wave. And as it, as it climbs the side of the glass, you have these beautiful tears that drain right off of the wave. And it's quite reproducible. And we have some videos. I think there's a, hopefully a link you'll have to one of our videos mm -hmm. showing this effect. All right. Well, that's a great description of the problem and it made a very interesting story. Is there anything you'd like to add? No, I don't think so. I mean, I, I would encourage people to try this. This is one of those things you can try at home. I think, you know, the demonstration is actually easier to do than the math, but the math yeah. for people who like um, to play with conservation laws and, and um, non-classical shocks is a lot of fun too. And it's been great working with my team at UCLA. They're a really talented young people who've gotten, I think, a lot out of doing this research. And the best part of doing it at home is then you don't have to worry about driving anywhere. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> well, I haven't we're, talked we're, about drinking, right? We're just talking about... Oh, just, you're right. You're, <laughs> we're actually, just looking I, at it, right? I, I, <laughs> I was filling in the another... blank, sorry. <laughs> that was quite uh, all right. So, uh, again, Andrea, that, that's really interesting, and, and thanks for doing the research and for talking to us. That's Andrea Bertozzi, who is from UCLA, and she's talking to us about the research she's done and, and their team's done uh, trying to figure out this problem of, of uh, wine legs, and they've come up with their tears and come up with an, a very interesting solution. Uh, Andrea, thanks very much. Thank you so much. <laughs>